Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Megan. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Surprise, everyone. We're popping in to say hi and talk about hashtag van life, (laughs) but not the kind where you get to, you know, ride around in a van with like just by yourself or your best friend or your significant other or whatever and sleep in the back, whatever. But that's not what we're talking about today. It's not van down by the river. It's not a (laughs) made over school bus like we just talked about in our cozy spaces. (laughs) Yes. Um, And actually, it was funny. Um, Recently, there was an article in the New York Times that was like about, you know, somebody tried out van life and did not enjoy it. And it made me kind of chuckle because I was thinking about like van life has become this idea of like a young, single, carefree person's, you know, road tripping. But moms are the OG van lifers. (laughs) I think you're right. And if not, if not like conversion vans, then minivans or station wagons or SUVs, like we, we have lived in a car more than anybody without kids can even like imagine. Think of it this way. Like if the, if the essence and ethos of van life is having everything you need within an arm's reach in a, in a vehicle that could get on the road at any time then yes, like mom life equals van life. (laughs) Just not the Instagrammable kind that you tend to see. Fewer vistas, fewer vistas (laughs) of like the the red rocks and the sunset. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, like one of the, one of the like hashtag van life tropes is someone waking up at their coffee, overlooking the Vista, like hanging out in their underwear. And I'm like, well, we don't do that either. But there is coffee and tea inside of a car and or a van or whatever. So today we're just going to kind of talk about the mom version because we've spent so many hours. I think if we did the math to compile how many hours you and I have spent in the car as moms driving our kids around, it would be staggering. Um, Mm -hmm. And we're going to kind of talk about how that looked 
when our kids were really little and how it looks now. Some things never change and some things have changed kind of a lot. Um, and we have talked about road trips in previous episodes, but this is more like those short drives. Like the like yeah. when the car sort of stands in as that second home on wheels, but mm-hmm. you haven't actually gone anywhere. You're still at home, essentially. Well, and what I picture is like you're you're wearing well-worn grooves in your town because you're really repeating the same kind of short drives over and over, which is very different, as you point out. From road trip, which we've done some great episodes more recently about travel with kids and long car trips and all that. But we're talking about the seven minute, the 10 minute, the 12 minute drives, but that you do repeatedly over and over again. And that time adds up. And it also becomes like kind of a like an interesting part of family culture, those minutes logged in the car with your kids. Yeah, love it. Before we jump in, we want to introduce you to the sponsor of this episode, Auto Approve. AutoApprove is an online service that makes vehicle refinancing easier and faster. Sarah, today we're talking about driving with our kids, so naturally we're going to be thinking about our actual cars too. Over the years, I've had a variety of vehicles. Um, Some were definitely family cars and some were more me. And sometimes I bought them because it was the best fit at the time. But then down the road, when our financial situation looked different, I was stuck with the same car payment. Okay, Megan, I have to admit, I didn't know that vehicle refinancing was a thing, but after learning more about how it works, I can see how this would be a great service for a lot of families. Auto Approve connects vehicle owners with a network of top credit unions, banks, and finance companies to find the best available interest rates and to lower your current monthly payment. They do all of the work for you. So they handle the paperwork, simplify the vehicle refinance process every step of the way, and help put more money back in your wallet. With inflation and the rising costs of living, that extra money can make a big difference for families. It could mean more money for your grocery budget, an extra tank of gas, or saving for long-term goals like college or retirement. Yeah, the idea behind AutoApprove is that living costs are on the rise everywhere, and it's important to save money where we can. It's easy to find out how much you could save on your monthly car payment today. Go ahead and get your free quote at autoapprove.com slash mom hour. It just takes a few minutes and they don't even require your social security number, which I appreciate. Today's episode is all about driving and spending time in the car with your kids. And when you spend less money on your auto loan, you have more to spend on some of the things we like to do in our cars, like go on road trips, head to a baseball game or go out to dinner. So we're glad to partner with AutoApprove to help you get a lower payment on your car. Find out how much you could save on your monthly car payment. Get your free quote at autoapprove.com slash mom hour and keep listening to learn more about autoapprove a little later in the show. Okay, Sarah. So let's go back in time, get in the way back machine um, to when our kids were really little and give a snapshot in time of what our personal hashtag van lives looked like back then. And I, I know it's a little bit different because we both had little kids spanning quite some time, but just choose a kind of a time back in your life when maybe you had two little ones or maybe three little ones in your car. Um, And I just got a list of questions we'll go through real quick. And and then we'll answer the same questions later for what it looks like now. Perfect. First, let's just briefly talk about what car or cars we were driving um, at those stages of our lives. Okay. Well, when I only had two, I had a Toyota RAV4, which if you don't know, looks like like a very petite, I guess, crossover SUV, but it's pretty small for a crossover SUV. And then when I was pregnant with my third, we got a Toyota Sienna minivan. So I went minivan just in time for the third kid. Very like cliche timing. Um, And I have had minivans ever since. 
Yeah. So for me, I mean, I've had a lot of vehicles because I've been, I've had kids for a long time, but the ones that kind of, um, I would say are most memorable in the little kid years were a Ford wagon was like a a standard grocery getter wagon, which, you know, is like a traditional wagon, um, a Dodge caravan, and then later a Yukon. And that was most of my early mom life. Okay. So I'm curious when your kids were really little, how they were positioned in the car and were you strategic about that? so funny. This question comes up all the time in our listener community, like how to fit three car seats across or how to get a kid into the way back. So this is the struggle is real as you add kids to your family. Um, when I went to the minivan and I had three little kids, I put the oldest in the way back. Um, and then I had anybody in a five point harness still. So like an infant facing back or maybe like a three, two and a half, three year old facing forward. Anybody who had to be buckled by me were in the like captain's chairs on either side. So I never had to go into the third row to buckle a kid, but I know lots of people who do it that way and have reasons for doing it that way. Or they just have so many little kids that they're somebody in a five point harness is in the way back. But for me, I was always able to help the kids who were being buckled by me in the two, like, you know, van doors slide open. So I'm on one side helping this kid and then walk around and the Toyota Sienna minivan, ours have always had like the two captain's chairs, which work really nicely for a car seat or five point harness. So yeah, it, the oldest was in the way back um, until, you know, tall enough to sit in the front. Did you think about things like whether your littlest was next to the biggest or um, whether you could see the littlest over your shoulder or whether they went behind you and then the toddler went behind. I'm just thinking of like the vantage points. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a good point. You know what I remember doing is and every once in a while when we would go, let's say we had to take all the car seats out of the car because we were going, um, on an airplane and taking the car seats, or maybe we were switching cars and we were going to put everybody in Brian's car for some reason. Anytime all the car seats were out of the car, you know, every few months or something, of course, you give it a good vacuum. That's so satisfying because you realize everything that's been under the car seats. I always remember thinking, oh, maybe when we put them back in, I'll put them (laughs) in the opposite side and thinking this will be great because and then you just named some reasons like who you can see, who you can reach to hand the lovey to them when they drop the lovey. Like, but but now from this vantage point, I'm looking back and I'm like, I don't think there was ever any one solution that was best. But I do remember trying to switch it up, being like, I know, Eureka, this <laughs> way is going to be amazing. So yeah. that's what's coming back to me now. Well, and I'm thinking like when I had a toddler and a newborn, I felt like I wanted the but not older kids to help. I wanted the newborn where I could kind of see them because it was more likely yeah. I'd have to reach my hand back and jiggle their seat or. Yeah feel their face to make sure they were breathing or whatever, you know, like there was just things that had to happen. Um, and the toddler couldn't help. So it didn't matter if they were right behind me. In fact, it, sometimes it was better that they couldn't make eye contact with me, the toddler. Um, but then when I had older kids who were more capable, I would sometimes strategically put the, a bigger, or at least like, a a kid who was in a helper stage of life, which wasn't always the oldest in the middle. And that was when I had the um, bench seats, like in the SUV. So we had the um, Yukon, it had two bench seats and putting like a a slightly older kid in that middle seat was really strategic, but then it was totally unfair to wedge them between a baby and a toddler. So then the toddler (laughs) had to go on the way back. So it's like, there's all this mom math that has to happen every single Mm -hmm. time you get in the car. How long are you going to be in there? What's the, like, what's the purpose? Who's getting out first? I remember that being a thing, especially 
you're, you're right that the minivans are great because the bucket seats are easy for kids to climb through, like to go mm-hmm. through the middle. Yeah. But when it's the bench seats, like one of the seats has to fold down for kids to get yeah. in the way back or like scoot up. It doesn't exactly fold down. It like it like bends and pulls up at the same time. So if you know there's a kid who needs to get out first and they're on the way back, you want them by a door, but you also don't want the kid in front of them to be one where there's going to be a lot of hullabaloo to get them yeah. out. So sometimes yeah. I would end up putting a car seat kid way in the back corner because they'd be sitting there the whole time. Right. They just have to wait. They just had to wait. <laughs> so be like, you're relegated to the back. And those were like the booster kids, because once the, you know, the the big car seat, like the one that's like stuck in your car with the base and everything. Once that's in place, you don't want to mess with that. Like ever. No. If you can well, that's avoid what I it. Said, like for me, it <laughs> yeah. was like, like three times a year, maybe if yes. we had to get yeah. it out. I'm laughing. I think one of our listeners had a house rule about like first in last out. And we laughed about how bad kids are about going through doors, not just car doors, but like doors in general. Like if yes. you are at the back, you don't push everybody to get to the right. front to bail out of the car. Yeah. We're already getting yeah. ahead of ourselves to the older kids, but it's so funny <laughs> how bad they are at that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So moving on, let's talk about media in the car. Um, Very different, I'm sure, than maybe what it was looking like when your kids were really, really little. So what kind of stuff were you listening to and who got to choose back then? I mean, I think I was doing a lot of choosing. I'm a, ve- I'm a very, I'm a little bit of a controlling person by nature and my kids were very low tech. So I don't think my kids realized how much requests or control they could even have about what we listened to. So when they were really small, I was choosing and I was probably actually we were getting into podcasts in those years. So like if I had like a two, four and six year old or a one, three and five year old, we might have been listening to some like little kid friendly podcasts. I remember we listened to a lot of Disney stories on Spotify. Disney still to this day, Spotify has some um they're like audio versions of the Disney movie. So it, they'll be long. They'll be like a whole hour long and it'll be Lion King or Beauty and the Beast, but just with the songs and story. And those were great. But I was probably curating the kid media, probably based on whoever the older two were. And I was probably choosing. I don't think they were probably like nine and seven before we started to get into like listening to Hamilton, listening to a playlist, things like that, bigger kids stuff. But for a long time, I was the DJ. They didn't even know they had a choice. So I think it was actually similar for me. I would say the soundtrack to my car life um, for the vast majority of the really little kids years was um, was NPR. I didn't have any Bluetooth playing system in the car. Well, first of all, I mean, I didn't even have an app on my phone to play music back then. Like there didn't have a smartphone. I didn't have a smartphone. Right. (laughs) I think it was all like CDs or cassettes, depending on how old my car was and then radio. And so I listened to like a ton of NPR. I did not give the kids a choice. They didn't, you know, have that option. I do remember having um, some kind of thing that was like a cassette that went. I'm trying to remember what that thing did. It was like a cassette that went in the cassette player. And I think you ran like a CD player off of it that mounted on the dashboard. Okay. I remember those. Yeah. And I remember that the kids were, we were only like the kids at least were only allowed to choose music for that when we were on road trips. So that was Mm -hmm. a big deal because then they would be like, Oh, we get the CDs out. But if we were just like driving across town or going to the grocery store, like we didn't even touch the CDs. It was, yeah. And mom's turning on NPR. Um, so yeah, those were two very different things. And it's kind of like when a rule 
becomes just part of what you do. Like it's so enmeshed in like just what you do. The kids don't think at that age to question it necessarily. So they never ask like why we couldn't take a CD in the car right. when we were going to Target. Like it didn't occur to it's them. It's a good <laughs> reminder too of how much you really do. I, I don't like the word control. It's a little bit of a loaded word. But when your kids are tiny, like you said, they don't know any different. And once they know that they have a choice and a say, your world is very different. So I would say if you are in that phase, enjoy it. Your life is hard in a lot of other ways, but your kids don't know. Like my kids, this is a sidebar, but my kids didn't know how to work our home TV for a really long time. And I kept it that way because if we put something on, I was putting it on for them and that it put it on me. But it also meant like they did not. They didn't mess with it. So it's just, it's just kind of funny. All right. Well, let's talk about the weather, Sarah, because you know, you and I love to do that. Um, And we've both lived in places with relatively extreme weather. You've lived in like really extreme heat. So how did the weather relative to your regions back in those days, like influence your car life? Uh, I mean, it's, it's inextricably tied to my memories of having tiny kids in the car because we were in Arizona and the car was hot cars were dangerously hot and it took a long time to cool your car down. So I think it it was relevant in that I was always thinking about when we were going to be getting into the car, how hot the car would be. I mean, little things like people bought car seat coolers. Um, Those of you who live in Arizona and Texas and place like that, you probably know, but like there were things you could keep in the freezer and then just lay a layer over the car seat, a thin layer, but something that would cool it off. Um, It was it was front and center in my life. And it was also front and center in the news, things like car safety in, in extreme heat. So, um, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, a lot of our drives were 10, 15, 20 minute drives around town. And it can take a car that long to cool down when it's 110 outside and it's 130 inside your car. It can take a really long time to cool that down. So I just remember always having that mom math running of, do I need to start the car later in life? I got a, um, a remote starter, but that was at the, that was toward the end of living in Arizona. So I was always thinking about, do I need to start the car? Where am I parked? Is it shaded? Is it worth even going out? Is it worth leaving the house? It was a big part of our life, but you, you had some Minnesota years. I would argue that is as extreme as Arizona in the winter. Yeah. We were in um, Minnesota for two or maybe three winters. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a thing. It's the same, right? I mean, it's like the other, the flip it's side. It's the other the flip side. I will say it doesn't take as long as you're describing to make the car habitable. Yeah. And you can get in a really cold car, but if you're bundled up, unless it's like negative 40 or something within, you're going to be uncomfortable, but within a few minutes, you're going to be, uh, it's going to be okay. Like no one's going to die if you get in your car yeah. and it's too cold. Um, most of the time, like just get the heater running and, you know, get going and keep everyone bundled, bundled up. So it wasn't quite the same. I do remember a lot of that, like trying to figure out which layers to put on everybody because I mean, newborns aside, and we've talked about that on the show, like the impossible decision of like, how do you get a newborn, um, warm and cozy in their car seat, but still safe in their car seat, but where they'll still be warm and cozy when you take them out of their car seat and not carry a car seat everywhere. Like that's some really difficult mom math to do. Um, But then like, how do you get a toddler into a car? So they're comfortable when you first get in the car and warm enough, 
And warm enough if it's just one of those days when the car never really gets that warm. I remember having cars that just never really felt like there was, there's always a hot spot and a cold spot in yeah. cars. And when you've got the heat going and the sun's coming through the right-hand side of the car and everyone on the right-hand side is, you know, boiling and everyone on the left is still cold. And um, <laughs> like, how do you get that toddler all bundled up, but where they won't be like red-faced and sweating in 10 yeah. minutes because they yeah. can't take off their own layers when yeah. they're in their seat or probably even their own hat and mittens. So, um, yeah. yeah, I just remember a lot of that. And, and, and exa- again, also like where we're going to go, um, there, the danger would be is, is it going to be something where I might get stuck in the snow somewhere? Right. And yeah, then here I am in yeah. the car with my two little ones or my three little ones. And so there was a lot, I would say the weather could really do a lot of, of that, like, the cost benefit analysis is what I'm going mm-hmm. like what I'm looking yes. for here. Like, is this worth it? Yeah. Should I leave the house today? Weather yeah. is a bit. Yeah. Weather plus car is a big part of the calculus. Yeah. So, Sarah, were you more like once we're in the car, let's stay in the car? Or were you like, let's get in the car and go somewhere so we can run off steam? Like more utilitarian about only using the car to get places or were there additional stops added to the journey? Oh, do I seem like someone who would add stops to a journey? I I don't know. You don't. I don't think so. (laughs) But here's what I will say. And I just alluded to it. When you are in the thick of the little gears, if you are staying at home with little kids, you also sometimes want to get out of your house. So there's like this weird inflection point where you're like, man, I've got to get out of the house with these kids. Like we're stir crazy. We have to go somewhere. But then you're in the car and like, where do you go? So even as I'm kind of like laughing at your question, there were times where I would put everybody in the car and go through a couple of drive throughs drive through dry cleaner, drive through library pickup and drive through Starbucks. And we'd, we would go for a little drive, but there were a lot of, there's a lot of calculus to that too. It's like, do you want the baby to fall asleep? Do you want the baby not to fall asleep? Does someone get car sick? Does someone cry in the car? So I would say you asked, are we a once in the car, we stay in the car. I'm in a like, whatever is the state of harmony. So if, if kids were happy in the car, I don't mind a drive for drive's sake or a little drive to go stretch our legs and play at a park. But I was unlikely to inflict that upon myself if it was going to add stress to my life. Does that answer that? Yeah, it does. And I think I was the same. I mean, again, it depended on the weather and I, I, I can be a pretty spontaneous person. Um, and I like to think of myself that way, but I can also be somebody who doesn't really want to do a lot of extra work and yeah. getting a lot of little, like, especially if there's not like a really good reason or, or like a point to it and getting little kids out of a car and back in the car is a lot of work. So I think that there were definitely days where it was like, I didn't have any other mission. It was like, this is just a day we're going to go bum around town. That means we're going to get out and play at the McDonald's play place. And we're going to go to the park and we're going to go get ice cream. And it's, this is just a day where this is what we do. Getting in and out of the car is what we do. Um, and then there were other days when I was just on a mission to like either not like touch the kids at all for a little while and just have them like sleep or something or just zone out or listen to NPR and and not actually deal with um, all of that activity. So it kind of depended for me. Yeah. And I, I just have to say too that we always joke about like, you think there's one kind of kid when you have one kid and then there's two kinds of kids when you have two kids. And you, you have said that Megan, but there are kids who really have a hard time either being in the car or getting in and out of the car trouble with those transitions. And then there are others for whom it's fine. So if you're listening to this thinking like, 
oh, my kids are in and out of the car all day and like, it's no big deal. That's awesome. But also if you're thinking that sounds like torture, you're not alone. I think there's a temperament. There's a, a baby toddler and child temperament thing at play here that really impacts whether car trips are fun or not. Yes. Very good point. Okay. So this might seem like an obvious question, but I guess it's not always. Um, Sarah, where were you typically going? And I guess it's hard. I mean, depends so much on like what was going on in your stage of life, but maybe pick a snapshot or two and just describe what like a day in the life would have looked like for you in your car. Yeah. Well, I know we're focused mostly on littles and I'm going to, I'm going to go forward to maybe like a six, four and two year old, which I still consider the little, the little years. I was doing pickups. I would have a kid in elementary school, a kid in preschool, and maybe a toddler who was bopping around, who was my sidekick for the day. Um, So I was typically going to and from schools and home again. So I was, again, talking about wearing those grooves in your community. I was kind of on the same stretches of road doing 10 or 15 minute drives a couple of times a day with a couple, two, two or three of the three kids in the car, getting people out, getting them back in. Um, it's like those little snippets that add up when you think of how much of your life is spent doing that. And I think when I look back now, I realize like, in a way, we were learning how to be a car family. We were having funny little conversations in the car. We were singing if there was a fussy baby. We were listening to music together. So I think from my vantage point, now the where we were going was so unremarkable it was it was school or the gym childcare or preschool or elementary school or dance class but what we were doing was significant when you add up all of those little 10 minute segments and i i think i think that's important i think it's interesting how something so pedestrian and so unremarkable can actually become a a pretty significant part of like I guess your family culture. Yeah, I love that. Um, pedestrian is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is there an equivalent word? I don't know that there vehicular? is. I mean, it's vehicular. So vehicular. It's so vehicular. Um, and while you were talking, I was thinking because my experience of like what those drives were like um, when my little, when my biggest kids were little versus when my littler three were little. So let's go back to like when Jacob and Isaac were little. Um, we lived in a really nondescript suburb of Minneapolis. Like it was just, yeah, we'll just leave it there. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was about 30 minutes outside of the down, maybe 25 minutes outside of downtown. And there was this neighborhood I really wanted to live in that we did actually end up briefly living in a little bit later. But this is when we were first living there. And they, they were like, you know, two and a half and six months old, something like that. And this was the year that I, like the only year that I was truly like, a stay at home mom. Like I didn't have a work at home job. Um, I wasn't in college. I was just staying at home. And so the kids and I would get in the car and drive into the city so that I could drive past the neighborhoods I really wanted to live in. And we did a lot. Like we did that a lot, like a lot, a lot. And it was really fun. Like I remember thinking like they were really good in the car and we would, we had our little roots that we would always hit. Um, I remember the sandwich I would always get was like Arby's had just come out with those turkey sandwiches. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, not at all. Okay. Well, it was like Arby's had just added like 
more fresh sandwiches to their menu. Okay. So it's not, I don't eat like the cheddar beef sandwich. I, but it were like, like the cafe sandwiches. So it was uh-huh. like a, you know, whole wheat bread and like turkey yeah. and lettuce. And I just thought they were great. And so we'd go there and I'd get a sandwich and then we'd all split like a big curly fry. I like, I just have these like very specific memories of like the, how we got around and what we listened to in the car yeah. and like what we were doing during that time. And that was a lot of my mom life. And then later when, um, you know, Will, Owen and Clara were little, so like five and under, it was more just like getting people where they had to go. The big kids were going to school. There was school pickup. I often was babysitting friends, kids. So sometimes I'd have multiple school pickups, like for mm-hmm. kids that weren't my own. So I remember, uh, Owen and Henry, Missy's little boy were in different, um, kindergarten programs or no, sorry. Owen was in preschool and Henry was in kindergarten. So I'd have to I had to time it perfectly. And I also had to get Will off the bus. So it was like the timing between picking one kid up and the other kid up and then getting back to get the bus. Because if you weren't there, they would like the bus driver would just keep him on the bus and take him back to school. And then I'd have to go back to the school, like sign him out. So anyway, like that was much more about like, let's get in the car. Let's go. We've got like, we're on a mission. We've got something to do. And then once we were all in the car, I was like, okay, now we can go relax. Let's, does anyone want to go to Dairy Queen? Should we go to the park? And like, I think you're so right that it does become part of family culture, but also is like um a time, like a space, like a time and space thing, like a sense of place, sense of where we were in our lives based on like the, where we were going and why, and mm-hmm. what was happening before, after, and during. So I love that love because that. I think it, it means it matters a lot. Like you're yeah. right. It is like a, it's a family culture thing, but it's also a, a history, like a family history thing. And most of these years we're talking about our kids will not even remember those hours they logged in the car, but they, they were there. They were not at home. They were not at school. They were in this like little moving bubble that, that was important in its own way. Yeah. Well, let's really, really quickly talk about some little kid in car milestones to come to mind. And Sarah, if you have any stories about these or anything like that, um, one is buckling and unbuckling themselves. I mean, like glory, glory, hallelujah, when your kid mm-hmm. can do that. Um, that's amazing. And then along the same lines, when nobody in the car needs a booster anymore. And I know that's yeah. more of like a big kid thing, but it's kind of on the cusp between like little and big. Um, and those are like, first of all, you don't have to worry about having them, like having yeah. a booster, which is amazing. But you also no longer have to climb in the back. And when it's mm-hmm. the buckling and unbuckling and and do that for a kid. and if that's been your life for, you know, four or five years or a decade. Yes, exactly. If that's been your life for multiple years, um, the freedom of that is just incredible. Yes, it is. I think those are milestones that a lot of our listeners maybe are not even there yet. Cause if you're still growing your family, there's always somebody coming into an infancy and then into a five point harness. And nowadays kids are staying in five point harnesses for a really long time for safety's sake. So these may seem like far off milestones, but man, is it freeing to hop in the car and just tell everybody like, okay, go get buckled. Um, I feel like there was, there were several years where my kids could buckle and unbuckle themselves, but we were in some kind of like, um, like a high back booster chair mm-hmm. situation where they were using the regular cars seatbelt, but they were elevated via booster seat. And those were fine years for me. I mean, Losing the boosters completely, you're right. It does mean you can hop in other people's car. Your kid can hop in a car after school with a friend and all of that. But as long as they're buckling and unbuckling themselves, yeah, your life is different. Yeah. 
Well, let's chat a little bit more about our sponsor, Auto Approve. So, Megan, we've been talking today about some of the things we enjoy about driving around with our kids and some of the things that are maybe a little less enjoyable. But do you know what I love? I love having more money in my pocket to swing through the coffee shop drive through with my kids or not having to stress quite as much when I see the gas total creeping higher and higher every time I fill up. Oh, my gosh. And lately, it's really creeping up. And speaking as someone who has seen how teenage drivers can impact car insurance premiums, finding ways to save money on our vehicles has become a top priority. Let's face it, driving period can be expensive. And right now it's really hard to find a good deal on a car and maintenance and repairs can really add up too. I hadn't really thought about the fact that a lot of us are losing money that we could be holding on to for those kinds of essentials when we're paying too much for the car loan itself. I mean, when you have to buy a car, you spend so much time researching vehicles and test driving, and most people don't really dedicate a lot of effort towards shopping around for the best loan rate, or they don't even know that's an option. I know I didn't. So then you're stuck with whatever they give you at the dealership. Right. But with Auto Approve, you're not stuck with that payment forever. Auto Approve helps you lower your monthly payment. And last year, they helped customers save an average of $164 a month. AutoApprove handles every step along the way, reaching out to banks and credit unions, taking care of the paperwork, and managing all the little details so it's fast and easy for you. Also, they never mark up the rates, so that means the rate they find from a lender is the exact rate they pass on to you. With AutoApprove, vehicle owners can lower their monthly payment, get a better rate, or both. Sarah, this is one of those things where you've got nothing to lose. All it takes is answering a few questions on their website to get the ball rolling, and there's no commitment to just see what your options are. I was reading on the Auto Approve website about how this actually works, and there's several ways they can help you save on your auto loan. It's not just that they give you access to low interest rates. They can also work with you to adjust payments to match what's happening in your life. They can help you add or drop a co-borrower on a loan and other things too. So Auto Approve will really work with you to figure out the best option, and they'll put you in touch with a real live human who can give you personalized service. I love that. Love a real live human. I just keep thinking about what that extra money could mean to a lot of families. So go to our special link, which is autoapprove.com slash mom hour to get your free quote and see how much money you could save on your monthly car payment. That's autoapprove.com slash mom hour. All right, well, let's talk now about what it's like driving with our kids in the stage of life where we are now. So Megan, what are you currently driving and do you have drivers in your home, like kid drivers? I know you do, but please enlighten us. Yeah. So I am currently driving a 2005 Subaru Forester. Um, Did not intend to still be driving this car as long as I have, but it's just made sense. Um, I haven't found something I love more. And as we've talked about, Sarah, like car shopping is not something I do for sport. Um, (laughs) I kind of just drive whatever I have until it makes literally no sense to you anymore. Um, Will is the only other driver in my house. Ironically, or I guess not ironically, just it's, it's weird to me, but all of my kids have been 17 when they started driving so far. So it's kind of just worked out that way with, let's see, Will, it was kind of a COVID thing. Isaac, I feel like just didn't care. It's, it's strange. I remember your older boys, like not caring almost. Yeah. They just, just didn't really care. And Owen We were like on vacation when he had to have the paperwork turned in for driver's ed or something. And so when we got back, we kept trying to sign him up for like the next one and it kept selling out. It's like hard to get the kids in these days. So he starts uh, next week. He starts driver's ed. And so he'll be driving by fall. Um, But William drives a Subaru Forester as well. But his is a 2012. His car is seven years newer than mine. Oh, that's so funny. Well, they're good cars. 
They are good cars. I know. Maybe I I might actually um, sell Owen my Forester and buy a new Forester or a new to me Forester. Okay. Well, I am still in a Toyota Sienna minivan. I've actually had, I'm on my third one, like a third trade in. I was going to say upgrade. It's really just the same car, but newer, but this last time it is a hybrid. So that has been kind of exciting. Um, and I just got it in November. The last one was six years old, six or seven years old. And we were eligible for, we got a good deal on a, um, on a lease. And so I'm still doing the minivan thing. I have no drivers in my home. We are a couple years away from that. It's funny. I have a good college friend who lives in Iowa and her 14 year old has a learner's permit already. And I was like, what kind of, I'm sure listeners, you will tell me. If you have 14 year olds behind the wheel now, her 14 year old is not independently behind the wheel, but I was like, what now? Um, but yeah, I think it's 15 and a half or even like a learner's permit here now. Maybe it's 15. I think it was 15 when I was driving in California, but that it feels it's not that far away. It's like a year and a half away, but it feels like not even a it thing feels, I'm ready for. Yeah. 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 Well, it wasn't on my radar at all when, especially when my older kids were of the age I, in Michigan, it's like 14 and three quarters, I think is when you can oh, start, um, but that's all that's relatively new. So obviously it's all changed a lot, but we have kind of a complicated graduated system in Michigan now. So it's like segment one can be at 14 and three quarters, but then if, you know, there's then a long wait before you get your, um, restricted license. Cause you don't get yeah. that till you're 16. So you could have a learner's permit for, you know, a year. Um, but I don't, my kids just didn't really care and they didn't have a car to drive like of their own. So like that was, would have maybe been a motivator, but they, they, and they were like, well, we don't really go anywhere. So yeah. And then COVID happened and then COVID happened. Yeah. I would say my younger ones are a lot more motivated to drive. So I, I anticipate that picking up a little more, especially with Clara. Cause I think she's going to want to be, you know, out there and we don't live as close to downtown anymore either. Yeah. Okay. And we're kind of going through these same questions. We, we answered about the little kids. So I'm curious, where does everybody sit in your car now, you don't have boosters or car seats anymore. How do the kids position themselves when you're driving them around? So it's always the oldest kid in the front. And in fact, it is, I don't know if they have like a spoken rule about this. I don't have anything to do with it. I just will watch them sometimes reposition. So say Clara is in the front seat and we go pick up Owen. Clara gets out and goes in the back seat. No words Mm, said like she doesn't even she just gets up. She just goes to the back seat. She knows that she's in the back. When we were um, on our vacation in California, we, I think we're like going to the car and Will is so used to being in the front seat. He started to open the door and Isaac's like, Will. <laughs> and then Will's like, oh, right. But the two of them did switch off a little bit because Will's by far the tallest and biggest. So like sometimes right. it just made more sense for him to be in the front. He's also by far the better navigator and DJ. So I yeah. like him to be in the front. Um, Isaac's a little bit, I don't know, like head in the clouds, busy talking in the back, like not able to help me yeah. navigate as well. So, uh, but yeah, it's usually like if all of us are in the car, it's Will. And then if Will's not in the car, then it's the next oldest. And that's just how yeah. they do. And I don't, I don't know if they're, if that will ever end. Like, I don't know if they'll be that way with adults or what. Yeah. That's so funny. I notice my three also having like their own internal sibling rules about who sits where. I'm not super involved. I will say that my middle child was not tall enough to sit in the front for a long time. So I only had one front sitter for a very long time. 
And Reed is now, I don't know, 5'1", 5'2". So he definitely can ride up front. He just still doesn't a lot of the time. So I may have more like front seat jockeying in my future because I think we've defaulted, like you said, to oldest rides in front always, no matter what. But that might change. Violet's still like physically really little. She's not in a booster, but she's not going to sit up front anytime soon. So um, they they have their own preferences of who gets which of the two captain's chairs, but I don't really understand it. And like when you do a, a school car line, right, like you're pulling up and a kid is getting in to the passenger side because you're doing that whole car line thing and they'll do weird things like move over or someone will have been sitting there, but then they're going to switch. And honestly, I don't it's like their own system of rules and I don't even need to understand you it. You don't need no. to care about that. I just know you need to be. The size of a small adult to sit up front. I know every yeah. state is different and every like, I'm sure the pediatricians like there, there are hard and fast rules and I always Google it and then I forget. But like in my, in my family, you need to be the size and weight of a legitimate small adult to safely ride up front. And I've only had one of those for a very long time. And now I have two. So this is making me think of something that does not happen until it happens. And it's kind of weird when it does. So as a mom with younger kids and, and babies, toddlers, but also just younger little kids, right? You are usually the chauffeur. If there's not another adult, you are in the driver's seat. Yes. And all of the kids are in the back. And yes. then one day that changes. Every one of those kids could potentially sit up front. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's weird when they do sit in the back. And sometimes I'll have it be like, okay, so say I'm taking Will and Owen and Clara someplace and then Will gets out. Like I'm dropping him off somewhere and then Owen and Clara are happily talking to each other in the back or yeah. sharing, sharing music or something. So neither one yeah. of them moves up front. Yeah. And I just sit there waiting for someone to move up front and nobody does. And then I'm like, what am I the chauffeur? I mean, it does feel really weird because that was my life for so, so long. And then it wasn't anymore. And once yeah. it wasn't, now it feels weird to go back to that. I agree. My parents often think it's really weird when the kids will get in the back seat. Now, now we have some taller kids, but before my kids would obediently get in the back seat because that's where they, it was safest for them to ride. And my my parents would be like, don't you want to sit up front? I'm like, no, they, they're not allowed to sit up front. Like, just get used to it. You are you are a chauffeur. It is that like, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine age range where like they're probably not sitting up front, but they're old enough that they feel like, you know, real humans in the back. Right. And then you really do feel like a chauffeur. All right. And in your car these days, what what's playing over the speakers? And do you have a cassette connected to a CD player in your <laughs> 2005? And who's choosing what what yeah. is playing? So um, Will is the de facto music chooser. Like he's the if he's in the car, he sort of just chooses. And if okay. it's a short drive and I'm fine with that, like I don't really care on longer car rides. I will. Um, we have to take turns. On a short car ride, I don't like whoever's in the front seat, whoever's like in the passenger seat can choose. So if it's not Will, yeah. then it's Owen. If it's not Owen, then if it's Clara, we usually just ride in silence. Like she's just not as music obsessed as the boys. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty rare that she'd be like, let's put on music. And if it's like a really quick across town ride, I'm not worried about it either. So usually we just talk. Um, and a lot of it is like they have their own, they have their bands that they listen to. I, I don't know who they are. Sometimes Will will be like, hey, mom, I've got a banger picked out for you. That means that means a good song, in case you didn't know. And so he'll play a song that sometimes I know and I've heard before or like I'm vaguely familiar with the band. But often I just I just tune out. I have no idea. And I have I don't have a cassette player 
um, a cassette that then hooks up to a CD player. What I have now is one of those Bluetooth things that's like goes into your cigarette lighter. So it's oh, yeah. still layering new technology into an old system. I think Amy Clark from Mom Advice um, turned me on to this a while ago because I didn't know this existed. And that was pretty life changing. So having Bluetooth yeah, I remember in my you old car. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty exciting. So, yeah. So like if we decide to do something, it, there's a, like a big grapple over mom getting off the Bluetooth so someone else can get on it. Mm, some, yeah. Sometimes I'll just give them my phone because it's a hassle to get off the Bluetooth. And um, so, yeah, it's that it's their choice. And that's fine. I don't really care. How about you? We are much the same. And it's funny how long I resisted handing my phone over to like the oldest kid to DJ. I, there was something about that I didn't like. I didn't want them like messing with my phone. I didn't want them reading my text messages. I just and I didn't like the idea of like my kids just playing around on a device in the car. They were younger. This is several years ago. And now I just can't imagine any other way. Like we get right. over ourselves and we move on. So typically my phone would be connected via Bluetooth um, or sometimes by a long um, like cord if it's charging and I would just pass it to whoever to DJ and they all like different kinds of music and they have some disagreement about what to listen to, but it's usually some form of taking turns. It's always Spotify for music. Like that's what we use. Yeah. Um, when the younger two are in the car, they will still listen to audiobooks and they they'll get into audiobooks via audible or via our library app. Um, and every once in a while we'll get back into an audiobook that all three will enjoy. And I really like that. I will say when we put on audiobooks, I zone out. My brain goes somewhere completely different and I think my own thoughts, but I sort of enjoy the background voice of an audiobook, maybe kind of like how NPR was for you. It's different than like constant jockeying for different musical tastes, which is a little more jarring to the ear. I can I can have an audiobook playing and just very happily think my own thoughts for a 20-minute drive. Um but yep. that's the fewer and farther between these days. Yeah. Well, we talked about like those well-worn grooves of the drives that we repeated over and over again when our kids were little. So you just moved, Megan. Now, where are you typically going? If you're in the car with the kids, are they drives to and from school? Are there other kinds of, is it to and from friends? What has changed in terms of where you're going? Yeah. So right now, um, the way it usually works is that I drive Claire to school all the mornings that she's with me. Um, Every now and then... I drive Owen too. If Will's just moving really slow, um, Will is almost graduated, and his desire to get to school on time was never great. But I would say it's at an all-time low. He's truly like, I'm Senior-itis. done. Yes, yeah. he's like, this is all a done deal. I'm going to graduate. Why do I have to show up on time? And I'm like, well, because your little brother needs a ride. I don't know. So sometimes I drive them both, um, and then we kind of have like a little shuffle that we do after school. So. I pick up Owen more than I pick up Clara because Will has um, teacher cadet where he's actually at Clara's school in the afternoons. So it's pretty typical that even though I'm dropping Clara off, I pick Owen up and Will takes Clara and then we all meet back at the house. But every now and then Will and Owen want to do something together. So I'll like, I'll meet them and do a swap. (laughs) So Uh it's only about a 12 minute drive to either school, both Clara school and the high schools, the middle school and the high school are about 12 minutes from my house. So it doesn't, but then like from the middle school to the high school is only like seven minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's not 12 and it's it's not like a triangle. It's not like a, a triangle where all the sides are the same distance. Yeah. And Will, I just rarely drive him anywhere anymore. He's got his own car and like he gets himself around. I would. Yeah. I would say if we're like 
all going somewhere together, like out to eat. We'll drive together, but sometimes not even then. Like sometimes everyone's got something going on and I want to go like swing by the grocery store. And so I'll be like, Hey, meet. It's not like we go out to eat all together that often anyway, but a couple of times I've been like, Hey, meet me at this restaurant and I'll, I'll be there five minutes after you guys or whatever. Like there's, there's lots of, um, sort of like strategically figuring out who's going to go in which car now that didn't ever used to be a thing when I was the only Mm, driver. yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of like, can you drop off here and then I'll pick up there. And so Will's been like great about being sort of the second driver in the house and playing that role for me when it makes sense for him without me wanting yeah. to ask him to do it too much. So I, yeah, mostly yeah. kids, uh, friends and, and school. Yeah. Yeah. We are, our well-worn grooves right now are mostly for after school activities. So we have a carpool in the morning. I, unless Brian's out of town, I don't have to drive anybody in the morning which is kind of nice. And then I do two different school after school pickups and we typically just come home. So school, home, school, home. And then, um, my kids are involved in like extracurriculars that mostly happen downtown, which is like a 11, 12 minute drive. Um, so that is a very, like just almost every evening actually going out to downtown and back, um, often just with one kid. So it's a, it's a really good time for like one-on-one tween, preteen, teen mm-hmm. conversations in the car. Um, definitely more spread out in terms of friends. Uh, but like my kids have friends who don't live like right around the corner. So back and forth to drop off or pick up at a friend's house. Um, yeah. And the drives are anywhere from five to 20 minutes, depending on where we're going. So often, often these days it's one kid in the car with just me, which is kind of nice. I think that has yeah. some some advantages to it. I have to say, I really enjoy my morning routine, how it's shaping up now with driving Clara in the morning. It is mm-hmm. definitely time that I get to hear her talk about things I might otherwise not. And when we get to add in Owen or, you know, and the fact that I like switch off and sometimes it's just me and Owen um, or sometimes it's Clara and Owen and I like the conversations we have are really fun. And another yeah. thing um, that I'm just kind of thinking about with the new route is that it takes us right, it takes us past different stores than we used to go past, which is something mm-hmm. new to talk about, I guess. Yeah. We've all been around each other a long time. We needed some new material. Mm-hmm. But one other thing that I was realizing is that in in the town we were in before, it was very rare that we passed the grocery store altogether. Uh, just yeah. because of where the school was in relationship to where the store was that we always went, that I always went to. And so once the kids were like of school age, they kind of never went to the store with me. And the right. other day I was thinking, wow, it's been a long time since my kids have been in the grocery store. That I would take them to CVS because that was between mm-hmm. my house and uh, my brother's house. And so we'd all pass it together and we'd swing in and grab snacks or whatever, but never the grocery store, like hardly, hardly ever. So now it's becoming kind of a thing, like on our way home, I'll be like, hey guys, let's swing into Meyer and we can grab maybe some ice cream for after dinner or something. I just need to get some eggs, like something like that. And that's become more of a a joint thing that we do that for a long time, just by happenstance wasn't, which I think is another like to what you're talking about, those well-worn grooves and how it shapes your family life. It does. And I'm, I'm laughing thinking about in the first half, we talked about the little years and how uh, major a decision it would be to just stop at the store for some eggs if you had three tiny kids. But that is one of the like upsides of being in the car with bigger kids is you truly can 
pop out. You can also pull into the grocery store parking lot and hand a debit card yep. to a 13 year old and be like, can you go get some eggs right. or you go get they some get, eggs or I'm they can go sit in get the car. smoothies or <laughs> yeah. they can sit in the car. Yeah. yeah. All of these things open up. And um, I also think as you were talking about like what you pass and what the kids notice about the, the road you're on. We moved, you know, we moved back to Santa Barbara a year and a half ago and all my kids are pretty savvy about where things are and they will be like, well, maybe we could go, you know, to the coffee shop over here because we're going to be on the way over here. And I'm actually impressed at how three kids who don't yet drive kind of have a sense for like, you know, which grocery store we're going to. Well, that's mm-hmm. over by the ice cream place. And they do have a pretty good sense. So I'm, so, I'm going to be so curious when my kids start to drive, like how, how it is that you learn your way around town or what's on the way to this, or what's the closer gas station or what's, where's the post office. And I'm, I'm impressed at how they already seem to be paying attention to those things, even though they're just passive passengers. Yeah. I love that. Well, I'm curious if we each want to share like a challenge or maybe something that isn't your favorite about having big kids in the car. I know that for me, I have one kid, Violet, who's nine who really does not like to be in the car for any extended amount of time. And it's different than like, this is funny because Violet was also a screamer as an infant and screamed for the first six months of being in the car. And then she stopped and she was okay, but she gets easily car sick. And we live in an area with a lot of windy mountain roads. And she also is just, she's just a goer and a doer. And she doesn't like to just be in the car for no reason, which as the youngest is kind of the raw deal. Cause you right. are often riding along to take siblings to their activities and back. Now we are getting to a point where I can leave different combinations of kids home alone. I do not usually leave. I don't leave her home alone yet. She's nine, but she has an almost 12 year old and a 14 year old sibling. So it's not, we don't always have to load her in the car. Often there's somebody she can stay home alone with, but it is a challenge because she will get car sick. She'll get bored. She'll get complainy. So even as easy as it is to pop out or pop into the store, there's like one squeaky wheel and it's not one of the wheels on the car. So how about you? Anything, uh, anything grinding your gears? I'm just going to keep going. (laughs) Um, I just one thing that popped into my head and I've got, um, you know, kids who are like obsessed with music and especially the teenagers really like to have an earbud in. And sometimes it can be very sweet. Like they share music. So they'll, Mm-hmm. they'll hand a sibling one of the other earbuds and they'll listen together. And it's like, it's just part of what they do. And I get that. But sometimes one of them will be like in the car next to me and I'll be talking and then realize they have an earbud in. And there's something about that that used to be yeah. like, like, I used to get really offended about that and be like, that's just really rude. Like if we're sitting next to each other, you should be available to talk to me. And then at some point, I guess I kind of just, don't care anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. not that I don't care. It's more like if if you're still able to pop it out and attend, if I have something to say to you, um, that's good enough. Like I don't need to preempt their attention because I might want to say something. Yeah. Like, it was starting to feel a little like that controlling is the wrong, like greedy or something like presumptuous, yeah. like because they're in the car yeah. next to me, they should be ready to hear what I have to say, even yeah. if I have nothing to say. And I just want to stare out the window. Like that's not really fair either. So now it's kind of like, okay, they can have the earbud in, but if I look in their direction and start to speak, it comes out immediately. And they're great about yeah. that. Like they will pop it out yeah. right away if I have something to say. So that's just one of those things that like started off as like a big annoyance and over time has become more of like a, I realized I was pushing back against like the technology or something. Cause if we'd been in the yeah. car, all listening to the same music together, 
which I don't always want to hear their music either. So right. it's fine right. with me if it stays in their ears sometimes, um, as long as like they're still available and engaging in some way, but they don't have to be engaging all the time. I'm not engaged all the time in the car. Right. And I don't want the expectation on anybody that they have to constantly be like ready to chat. That doesn't seem fair to me. So yeah. Yeah. I think that that is like you've summed up parenting older kids and preteens and teens is like being shocked and offended by the distance they want to create from you. And then eventually coming around and being like, yeah, it's probably fine. It's fine. (laughs) And like, and let's be honest, I want it to, right? Right. Exactly. (laughs) Like it's probably best for everyone, but that is like, that is the dance you've just described it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Sarah, this has been such a fun chat. I kind of want to get my kids and go for a drive now. Well, whether we want to or not, we will be going for a drive, right? Like I've got school pickup in just a few minutes here. Well, before we go, we want to take a minute to thank AutoApprove for sponsoring this episode and for letting us know there's a fast, easy way to refinance your car loan. While living costs are on the rise, auto rates are still historically low. Get more money for what matters most with AutoApprove. Find out how much you could save on your monthly car payment and get your free quote at AutoApprove.com slash momhour. Yes, thank you to AutoApprove for helping vehicle owners lower their monthly payments and save money for what matters most. If you want a free quote, you can do that at AutoApprove.com slash momhour. And check out their website, AutoApprove.com, for more about how the process works, to read customer reviews, and to get your questions answered. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, everyone. Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us, and it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple Podcasts, you can navigate to the Mom Hour's show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the Mom Hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, everyone. We have a favor to ask. If you are an Apple Podcasts user, can you check really quickly to make sure you're still following the Mom Hour? Apple did one of their big software updates recently, and it changed a bunch of things about how you get the podcasts you're subscribed to. If Apple Podcasts is your podcast app of choice, all you have to do is find your way to our show page and then click the little plus sign or follow in the top right corner. Thanks so much.